As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Shamrock from atop Ohio Stadium. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna after Ohio State's 21-10 victory over Notre Dame. Uh, Matt, I thought coming into the game, Notre Dame's defense would play well. It would be on Notre Dame's offense to sort of keep up. I think they got half of that done. Um, I think you know Marcus Freeman talked post game. You know the moral victories, you know finishing, sort of like the coachisms. Um, but there's probably a lot of truth in there there in them as well because I think Notre Dame was there in the fourth quarter um, of a high stakes game on the road. And it, in some ways it did feel a little bit reminiscent to me of Georgia in Mm -hmm. 2019, where you feel like Notre Dame gave a very good account of themselves, but at some point, you know, you're, you're looking for Notre Dame to get over the comp over the hump instead of giving an account of themselves, win a game like this. And they, they were there, they were, they were in this game until midway through the fourth quarter uh, when they, the defense ultimately wore down. Yeah, fun, fun environment, fun atmosphere, everything we hoped it would be. And then the game was pretty much the opposite of how we all thought this would go, right? I thought Notre Dame would be able to run the football a little bit more effectively. I did not think Ohio State would run the ball as well as they did. And they really I, – I kept thinking on that last kind of game-breaking drive, seven-plus minutes, 95 yards, the, the score that makes it 21-10. Um, even then, I still thought – you know, this is a Ryan Day coached football team. They are establishing the run to set up the pass. At some point, they're going to beat Notre Dame deep and they're going to turn the, turn the engine on, so to speak, offensively. And that never really happened. And, you know, you went to Notre Dame's postgame stuff. I went to Ohio State's. Ryan Day was one happy man. Um, as happy as I've seen a coach. Look, he won. I, I get it. But, you know, he comes in with a big smile on his face. And the first question is, um, can, you know, what, what were, you describe the offensive struggles you guys had early on. And he was laughing. He's like, I'm not going to answer that. We just won by 11 <laughs> points against the top five team in the country. And he gave a whole thing about, um, you know, I don't know if we win this game last year. You know, our toughness was questioned all offseason. Um, so I, it was a throwback Big Ten game, so to speak. Ohio State is a more talented team, as we knew, coming in. And they ended up winning or having to win uh, in a way that um, I don't think any of us saw coming in. But I, I don't. Yeah, there are no moral victories. I mean, you don't come out here happy for your name, but it was like we did enough talking in the lead up to this game where we presented like, what's the scenario where um, 
Notre Dame can can kind of hold their heads up high and, and, and the fan base, and you know, it's late at night, they're probably emotional right now, but isn't crushed right. um, coming out of this game. Not saying, oh, we will never be this good again. How many more recruiting classes do we need to compete with Ohio State's of the world? No, like th- this was a, a good game between two good teams. The better team won. Um, if you're Notre Dame, like uh, there's no reason to think you shouldn't go 11-1 and one this year. Obviously, it's not that simple, but as far as big picture approach, nothing – I feel about the Irish change after tonight. Uh, for me, it was a. I came away very underwhelmed by Notre Dame's defensive line, um, as, as well as their defensive play. The fact that they sacked C.J. Stroud on what was going to be his first pass attempt, and then did not sack him the rest of the game on mm-hmm. 34 pass attempts, was alarming because I thought that was that was going to be a strength of Notre Dame's all season, where you had an excellent pass rush, a great defensive line. I'm not. I'm not sure I saw a great defensive line performance tonight against uh, an Ohio State offensive line that was kind of in question. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, defensively, I thought Notre Dame played well. Um, you know, their their secondary was much better than right. advertised. And I get it that Jackson Smith and Jigba basically was a DNP in this game after Brandon Joseph rocked him early in the game. But, you know, Ameka Buka is an excellent player. They ha- They have some killers on the outside at Ohio state beyond Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison, and, you know, like Benjamin Morrison, you know, Jaden Mickey, I know gave up a touchdown, but I didn't, I didn't see a lot of the moment being too big for them. And I think it sets up well the rest of the season. Maybe Notre Dame is a little bit more talented in the secondary than I would have thought, uh, which who knows, maybe that will compensate for the the pass rush, maybe not being where I thought it would be. And again, it's game one that can improve during the season, but they needed, they needed more pass rush tonight. I thought that like, to me, the play of the game was there was a third and two or a third and three Riley Mills flushes Stroud out. Jack Kaiser's closing down on him. And he makes like a Heisman level throw on the sideline. And it was just to me, at least a, a reminder that Ohio state has Heisman contenders on its roster and, and Notre Dame doesn't have enough of them. Um, it was, there was a, a talent edge and I thought it was very telling after the game, Ryan day said, you know, we finally wanted to be known as something more than talented. Like <laughs> Notre, Notre Dame needs to get to a point where teams are <laughs> describing Notre Dame as like, wow, they're really talented. Um, and tonight was just a reminder of kind of the, the gap there. It's not, insurmountable it's not like it can't be narrowed but um there is a gap that exists and you know when you walk around the stadium and you see people in their catholics versus draft pick shirts it's <laughs> it's a reminder of sort of what ohio state is known for and where and where notre dame is trying to go with marcus freeman to, to illustrate that point i mean the go-ahead touchdown the biggest play of the game to that point xavier johnson 24-yard touchdown um he's a walk-on I did right. not know that coming in because he didn't look like a walk-on. <laughs> but you know what? He went down and made the hit on that following kickoff as well. Right. I mean, that, that's – you know, again, we, we, we've had some version of this conversation every time they're in a big game like this, right? Like, you know, not as bad as Clemson 2018 where Julian Love goes down and the whole t- defense goes to hell. But, like, there's just always – these teams that are consistently stacking top five recruiting classes, they're consistently not just getting to the college football playoff but winning games like college football playoff um, – it doesn't really matter if you lose Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's arguably the best receiver in the right. country. You've still got other guys right there who are awesome. Um, I didn't know anything about Mayan Williams coming into this game because we spent so oh much time goodness. hyping up Trey Henderson. <laughs> now, watching him in warm-ups, that is one thick dude. I mean, he is a well-put-together running back. And, I mean, he was he was sort of what I think Notre Dame wanted Audrick Estime to be <laughs> in the fourth quarter, but... 
Notre Dame was not in a position to run the ball, and Ohio State was. That's a that is a man with the football in his hands. Uh, he was very very impressive to me pregame and, and during game uh, and certainly late in game. That's uh, yeah. Ohio State had they they just had more weapons at their disposal. Right. Like their their second best back was a top ten overall <laughs> prospect. Um, that's not where Notre Dame is right now, and it's sort of where Notre Dame needs to go. But I mean. To your point about Patterson being out, this is a quote from Freeman after the game. If you can't handle having a loss of one guy, we're not going to be able to win as many games as we want. Like um, that's sort of where Notre Dame is right now. Is that they when you remove one key piece, it's much harder for Notre Dame to overcome that than it is teams like Ohio State that have stacked top five recruiting classes on top of one another for four straight years. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting how the narrative in this game, at least on Ohio State's end got flipped a little bit, right? Like we had Ari Wasserman on last week and, you know, he, he he was joking, but wasn't joking that the reaction to his sit down with Ryan Day from a lot of fans were like, is he on the hot seat, right? Like as ridiculous as that sounds. But (laughs) he lost tonight's game after losing to Michigan last year. um, This town would have been going crazy. Um, You know that and I know that. And I appreciated how Ryan Day leaned into that a little bit post game i mean everyone who spoke on ohio state's behalf post game used some different version of you know we were called soft all last year um we got tired of hearing that um ryan day said i don't know if we win this kind of game last year well you know what he did last year after they were quote unquote out toughened by michigan uh in the finale hired justin fry to run his offensive line hired jim Knowles to coordinate his defense i asked jim Knowles post game where do you go from here if you hold the number five team in the country at 10 points? Like, how do you like keep these guys humble? Because that was an outstanding performance. And he said, I'll find something. But uh, those two hires, I won't go so far to say they made the difference tonight, but they were two of the most important parts of this game. And for that to happen as quick as it did is very encouraging if you're Ohio State. And again, if you're Notre Dame, I don't come out of this thing discouraged. In fact, we haven't said one word about Tyler Buckner yet, who I thought more than held his own uh, for a guy who will probably never play in an environment quite like this ever again and had to make his first career start. He's, well, he will be starting at A&M in two years, so. Buckner will? Yeah. <laughs> it might be like a little bit like this, but, you know, he's certainly, he'll have. Oh, 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 when they play at A&M. Sorry, yeah, right. I'm like, what, yeah. I, I miss an NIL no, joke no, no, here? No, no, no. <laughs> no, yeah, that's 26 starts later. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, he starts eight for eight. I didn't think he looked overwhelmed by the moment, uh, which is not something I'd say I was concerned about, but it's certainly something you want to verify that it's not a problem, and it wasn't. But then he finished two for ten. Um, you know, Marcus Freeman referenced and sort of his ankle being injured a little bit. I asked Buckner about it. He sort of dismissed it entirely, said it wasn't an issue. I do, you know, if you've got a bad ankle, it's sort of hard to plant, sort of hard to throw and be accurate. Um, you know, and when you finish two of ten – did not complete a pass in the fourth quarter. I think Notre Dame ran seven plays for 12 yards in the fourth quarter. Mm. Like that's definitely not good enough. Um, but you can, you could at least come away from this game saying like, okay, I think I know where Tommy Reese wants to take this and be perturbed that it wasn't farther along than it was tonight. Um, 10 points, not really threatening to score in the second half. That that was not the good o- enough. Offensive PI, yeah, the offensive PI huge. was a killer penalty, and really, you should be able to overcome one offensive PI, and not have that ruin your right. entire half. Um, the touchdown drive they had in the second quarter, I thought he was dealing on that. Um, that was excellent, creative play calling. I uh, like sort of the jet motions, the sort of 
zone read concept options that they have in there, the different personnel groups. I thought he really had Jim Knowles on his heels for a second. Um, but then it, you know, it, it said a lot to me about where Marcus Freeman sees the offense and saw the talent disparity tonight when he said like, no, this was, that was the game plan we wanted. Cause the, the most important part of the game plan for Notre Dame was controlling the clock and stopping Ohio State from running 87 plays. The problem was that Notre Dame, I think, only ended up running 48 plays in the game, which is incredible. Um, you know, they sort of took the air out of their own ball in addition to Ohio State's. Um, you know, and like, look, if Notre Dame's going to compete to not only make the college football playoff, but challenge to win a game in that, you can't keep running into games where you can see the talent advantage right. in the game plan. Um and that, that was something similar to that what happened in Georgia in 2019. It was, how do we make a be- the best game plan of a situation where we know they're better than we are? Um, and that's, you got, I mean, you got to recruit your way out of that. You got to develop your way out of that. Um, you know, you and I were down on the field before the game. It was just like, you didn't have to follow recruiting very closely to spot all the five-star prospects who came to this game, um, including a former basketball five-star prospect who now plays for the Lakers. Like, it was... There was a lot of talent here today, uh, and that's that's sort of where Ohio State is. It's where Notre Dame has to go. And it, we didn't talk to Marcus about recruiting after the game because it's kind of like this was your first right. full game. It's not really a conversation you get into, but they got to get to a point where they feel like they're more even with Ohio State. So you you don't have to you know build your game plan around compensating or conceding the talent advantage. That's just that's not a, a sustainable approach long term. It was interesting because I felt like I don't know if this was strategic or if, if things just slowed down or if Ohio State's defense had figured things out, but it seemed like it was taking on a much more of a uh, aggressive approach early on. I mean, Buckner dealt on that first what throw of the game, right? Yeah, it got pretty hit big. and yeah, and then got jumped in front of Styles. They, they give up the touchdown to Xavier Johnson to go down fourteen ten. They're backed up deep and I think at their own 13 yard line, they call a timeout 12 seconds away from the quarter, the third quarter ending right after as a change of possession, after a change of possession, yeah. right as this crowd is, which was dead at halftime comes back to life. Cause they took the lead and Buckner deals a 32 yarder to Brandon Lindsay that Brandon Lindsay, that's right on the money. And you're thinking, wow, like this kid's got it. Um, and it just kind of fizzled out from there. You mentioned, or Marcus Freeman mentioned, the ankle. I, I did not notice that at all in the game. I don't know if you did. It was, um, I believe, I remember noticing it. I don't know if it happened on this play, but on the play where he threw real high to Mayer, yes. I think it was a 17-yard game, and Mayer came across the field, fumbled it, picked it up. Right. I thought that Buckner was hobbling a little bit there. Um, certainly wasn't enough to knock him out of the game, um, but... You just sort of wonder if if you're a running quarterback and you got a bad ankle, the accuracy part aside, does that sort of take away the the run element? Does that make you less explosive? And you know, I think for for Notre Dame's offense is to achieve everything that it wants to achieve this year. One, that you got to develop more from the wide receiver room than you did uh, in game one, but you got to have an explosive threat all the time at quarterback uh, running the ball. And you know, I think Buckner just. I don't know if he wore down or he was hurt, um, but you know, I thought that sort of faded through the course of the game for whatever reason. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... mm, real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Biggest revelation tonight for me was Benjamin Morrison. Oh my I mean, god. That was not a guy we heard much, if anything, about. He was on my camp. list of guys who had the best camps. Um, which is not to say I expected him right. to play as well as he did tonight. He was it was like, this is a good guy for the future. He's really no, impressed. This one of their best players and it was like, against no, Ohio State. Maybe he's their best corner right now. Right. Uh, which is which was shocking. Um you know, I thought that uh, Maris Leofau, after being kind of banged up for a lot of August, played really well. He was disruptive. Um, you know, there. You know, Riley Mills got in on some plays. Howard Cross had the sack. Um, you know, I thought the hit that Brandon Joseph put on um, Jackson Smith and Jigba at the beginning of the game was kind of a tone setter for Notre sure. Dame um, on the sideline, and just like kind of knocked him out for a while. So it's like. I think Notre Dame. I mean, I think there's something. I don't know if we talked about this in our podcast with Ari or not, but like. Notre Dame had to be good enough to make Ohio State believe that it was in a game. It was in a game, and it absolutely did. Hit, it hit that mark. Um, it made Ryan Day think about he punted right, down to forty. Yeah, that was that was that was the moment where you're like, okay, Ryan Day knows he's in a game here, and he has to sort of be careful. He can't just chuck it all over right. the place. Um, they so they got to that point, and they got to that point pretty quickly. So I was very impressed with that. Um, 
What I was interested in what you thought um, about the safety blitz that turned into the touchdown uh, to Xavier Johnson in the at the end of the third end yeah, of the third right quarter. Because it, I felt like the defense was on its stuff, was not getting gassed. And then it really kind of – it was sort of the first gamble I felt like Notre Dame took offensively or defensively and blew up in their face a little bit. It, and I thought Al Golden had an outstanding game. That was, But that call was like, ah, I, I was confused about why they got into that one. That, that was, if memory serves, Treat Bracey goes down the play before Jaden Mickey comes in. Jaden Mickey was on Xavier on Johnson the on the touchdown. So yeah. I, I get it. It's I mean, you talk about Boomer Bust if they – Force Stroud into an errant throw there. Ohio State's either forced to go yeah. for it down forward in a very suffocating environment or they're kicking a field goal. That's like be you, down one. you hadn't gotten pressure all game. You hadn't. I just you wonder, know? do you try something different to protect the new guy who's in who obviously needed all the yeah. help he could get? I, I, I get why you did it. I'm not saying I agree with it. We're talking about Al Golden being the best hire of the offseason <laughs> and not Jim Knowles if that works. Um, and both could still be true later on this season. I, I get it. Um, but I, I, I think. I mean, look, that was a go-ahead touchdown. This place was – first off, I've never been in an environment like this before. As far as star power pregame, yeah. I mean, I, I can't even remember all the, like, dignitaries. I said, a, no, uh, none of whom were the 2002 championship team who had some had studs. A, had a USC 2005 vibe to it, honestly. I mean, that, that was like a kind of a uh, celebrities were out at Notre Dame uh, pregame. Yeah, but, yeah, there were a – ton of people back here i mean what's it what it was like you know ezekiel Elliott, carl dale jones justin fields like every no or but ohio that, state those are ohio state, but those are ohio state guys yeah. like i'm walking around um getting ready to go upstairs and i saw rich paul and i'm like oh rich paul's here oh, that's right he's with chase young you yeah. read chase young oh and there's lebron and yeah. ronnie james um and then some people are whispering odell might be here i don't think she was but that's rich paul's girlfriend so that would make sense <laughs> um but like then i see joe burrow in the end zone, which I think this was his first time back at Ohio State since he had played at Ohio State. Andre Iguodala was here. Evan Turner and Jason Tatum were here. Evan Turner yeah. obviously played here. But um, it was like I talked to Bill Landis, uh, our, our late, great <laughs> Ohio State writer. He's sorry, Ari, sorry, Ari. Um, and he said, yeah, no, this was not. He'd never seen this much. He'd seen LeBron here before. He'd seen it loud here before. But he hadn't seen, like, the combination of just – the event with this, like I, you know, we're we're jaded in our day to day jobs. That was as close as I've been to starstruck in this job, where like everywhere I turn, I'm bumping into someone who's like close to a billionaire. Like yeah. it was cool. <laughs> like Justin feels like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. LeBron James, I was like, holy yeah. shit, that's LeBron and Joe James. Burrow. Yeah, I mean, made the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think to your point, like Notre Dame handled that environment. Right. I'm like Tyler really. Well, Tyler Buckner, your first career start isn't only on primetime. It isn't only against the number two team in the country with 100,000 fans. You've got, like, this generation's greatest athlete on the other sideline basically booing you, like, (laughs) for lack of a better analogy. Like, that is an intimidating environment. And I thought they handled all that part of it very, very well. And I thought the way they took the crowd out of the game by playing the way they did in the first half was extremely important. Because, again, we're all thinking – when Notre Dame's winning, oh, my God, they can do this here. Right. And as everyone on the Ohio State side will tell you, they probably do do it last year if Ohio State doesn't make the adjustments on their coaching staff that they made this offseason. If they don't look themselves in the mirror and, and essentially get humbled the way they did at the end of last year. Ryan Day brought up the point that escaped me for sure because um, Michigan State was terrible against Ohio State last year. But he said, I think this was our fourth straight top 10 game. 
Michigan State, Michigan, Utah, Notre Dame. And this one was top five. Um, So that's a very big stretch uh, for anyone, let alone a very big stretch. And they went 3-1 in that. Um, But it it was an awesome environment. It was really, really cool to be here independent of the stakes and independent of the fact it was week one. Like, it was just an awesome scene. What So, I mean, what would be your – if you're one of our listeners, like – how would you advise them to feel about Notre Dame football the rest of the season after tonight? Encouraged. I mean, look, Marcus Room is owned to as a head football coach. That's yeah. reality. Two top uh, ten games where right. you were leading in the second half of both of them. Exactly. I would. That's where the comparisons end um, <laughs> for me. Um, so I think there's you know there's going to be a segment that said okay like we the honeymoon period's over. This guy won the off season much as one can. Um, Let's see some results. And I, I, I think those results are coming. Not that I didn't. Th- I mean, we talked about this beforehand. There is, as I, a water leak almost mm-hmm. takes out our mic. Um, I, I was able to picture a scenario coming into this game where Ohio State does what everyone thought they would do. They cover the spread, which they almost did. Uh, they blow Notre Dame out. And Notre Dame's still like whatever Ohio State's that good. Notre Dame can go and yeah. win 11 games this year. I, I mean, I. I don't want to sit here and say Notre Dame's going to go 11 and one because there's still, you know, some holes on this roster. We still don't know how they'll respond in games against the BYUs of the world who looked really good today and USC and et cetera. But I mean, I, I, I come out of this encouraged because we've seen the results on the recruiting trail in a short period of time with Marcus Freeman as a head coach. We've seen tonight that at least under his watch, they're not going to be overwhelmed by a moment. Um, and again, who knows what Clemson looks like comes November. Certainly right. it's a more talented roster, but it's also going to be a home game for Notre Dame. Um, I, I, I come out of this as, as encouraged as you can possibly be in defeat. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I wouldn't go that far just because like there were, there were parts of Notre Dame that I thought were going to be better, that were going to be bankable assets like the pass rush. I, the, I, I think or, that's Ohio State had a lot to do with that. Yeah, <laughs> or like the offensive line being better. You know, and I know Patterson's hurt. Um but they really struggled to run the ball. Um, you know, they had 12 yards in the fourth quarter. I think Buckner will be good. Uh, they need something more from the receivers than than what they got. And I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to like handicap what happened tonight, where no receiver had more than one catch. Say, only Michael Mayer. Um, yeah, yeah. Mayer was relatively quiet by yeah. his standards. Yeah, he's he's double teamed and still like if he's getting double teamed as much as I think he was getting double teamed, somebody else should have been open and Tyler Buckner either couldn't find him or they couldn't actually get open. So that there's something to grow on there. But I, I guess I would come out of it thinking like, do I think Notre Dame is going to go eleven and one? Probably not. Um, but. I felt like at the beginning of the season, I thought this was a 10 and two team after tonight. I feel like it's still a 10 and two team. Um, and I would like to see, you know, you just want to see progress from here, win the games you should. And then when Clemson comes around, it looks more like, I don't want to, yeah, I'll say it like, looks more like a fair fight than right. what tonight was. Um, which is kind of what, how the first Clemson game in 2020 went, even if, uh, you know, Tri- the, Trevor Lawrence the brother was out. Of, brother of that quarter, quarterback from that game and this yeah. year's game was on the field yeah, today Mateo, for Ohio State. Yeah, uh, Mateo <laughs> was here today, which was just one of the many, many five-star prospects in town. So I think, I mean, Notre Dame has a lot to grow on. Um, I think that's fine. I think that's healthy. Um, I, I would like to think that the Notre Dame fan base probably won't come away too frustrated with what they saw tonight, with the exception of maybe there's the offense bogging down in the fourth quarter and never really feeling like they were going to get 
Like, did you feel like no. Nureen was going to score at the end? I not because I did not. not. I did um, not at all. It felt like chunk plays only. Um, you know, if it, on that last drive, it was like either they're going to strip me and Williams here, or it's going to be a touchdown. Right. Like that, there was just no no in between there. So it's I I think if I was a Notre Dame fan, I would feel encouraged, but not like delirious over tonight. We're like, oh look how close it was. I would I would feel like a some pangs of frustration about how it got away. Yeah, I mean, you know, we made the 2019 Georgia analogy. That was my takeaway from that game because they had the ball driving on Georgia's side of the field with a chance to win that game. But did and you think they were going to? I didn't think they were, but, like, they also were overwhelmed by the moment in that game. They yeah. had how many fall-star penalties. Yeah, Even geez. Brian Kelly fell on the sword post-game about how he failed to prepare them for that environment. Like, I, and that was a much more of a winnable game, I think, than this one. Um, I, I, I thought – they weren't going to go back and forth with Ohio State. I just didn't think it was that kind of game. Even as they're up, um, but for, ten, no, 10-7 yeah. um, in the third quarter, I'm thinking they've got to add on to this lead right now. Because when Ohio State gets a lead, I just don't see this going tit for tat and Buckner answering yeah, Stroud. It was interesting to sort of hear Marcus Freeman describe the mentality in that space because he said like we had the game in the pace that we wanted. Field position was how we wanted it. Uh, you know, just sort of time of possession was where they wanted it. Um, but he said as soon as Ohio State went up 14-10, we just had to start throwing the ball. And it, I I don't know if you could have been more patient because Ohio State was stopping the run. I don't think that was like a way Notre Dame was going to come back and win the game. But um, definitely a, a, sort of a, a lack of explosive options for Notre Dame in the past game showed up tonight, which I, it may sound strange to say when you had, what, a, a 30-yard pass to Lindsey, a 54-yard pass to Styles, a 31-yard pass to Salerno, to Salerno <laughs> and heck, even a 22-yard pass to Bauman, which was like part of the drive where Reese was really dealing. I thought so. Yeah, it just—it was not a game where I once it got to 14-10, it was very difficult for me to see Notre Dame with a path back into it, which is like. But even then, it was like four they, points, they make the Lindsay play, and I'm yeah, get to midfield, right? And I'm thinking, wow, like here we go, start of the fourth quarter. Notre Dame's driving with a chance to take the lead, and I think that's right before Salerno. That was Buckner's last completion of the game. And that was right before the OPI, right? Which I'd have to look at it. I just – that ball was so far overthrown everyone. I don't know, like – Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the the rest. Same way, DPI has to be catchable. Like, does OPI have to be interceptable? I don't know. It did not feel like it was. But but that set them back. Yeah. Big time. And then you couldn't – yeah, you couldn't overcome that, and that was sort of their last real – Last real opportunity to do it. Um, you know, after game, post game, obviously talked to Freeman. Tyler Buckner came in. Uh, Jack Kaiser came in. Um, that was it for Notre Dame. I thought, you know, there was, I don't think it was like very angsty the way probably the Ohio State was, I guess, where you're like, they felt like they had something to prove and they heard what had been written and said about them all off season. But um, certainly, the, you know, these post games, I think you can only take so much away from it. But I, I sort of listen to hear like, are the players repeating back what the coach probably said in the locker room? And when Tyler Buckner's talking about the moment and he says, you know, the field's 53 and a third by yada, 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 like that's a straight Freemanism. Um, So I think that the players were sort of spitting back at us what the coaches had said to them in the locker room, which I think is, you know, it's positive when you're, you have your finger on the pulse of your roster. Um, but I think Freeman definitely is there with that. And um, I don't 
I, I wonder how, like, what practice will be like this week, how, you know, with, whether they'd be frustrated or angry or just sort of generally pissed off um, the coaches are, the players are after tonight or as they get farther away from it. I'm not saying it's a moral victory because that's what Freeman said. It definitely was not. But do they feel in the moment tonight, are you hyper-focused on what you did wrong? And as you get farther away from it, do you sort of pick out the – dozens of things they did well tonight and feel like, okay, there's a lot to build on here moving forward. Yeah. I mean, this is where you see the differences good or bad with the new head coach, right? I I did not think, and the record might not bear this out, but like we've both heard and probably reported enough over the the later Brian Kelly years where like, this did not seem like a program that handled losses particularly well. I mean, 2019 Michigan comes to mind immediately. Um, and, you know, they should have lost that Virginia Tech game and the offense coordinator gets fired at the end of the year despite a good record season. Um, 2020, they they lose that last Clemson game. And to be fair, there were no one was going to beat that Alabama team. But certainly there was a doom and gloom going into that. And then last year, um, they lose to Cincinnati. Um, that Virginia Tech game was weird. They pull it out. But that whole week leading up was very weird. It was real tense. They, like, canceled interviews on us at the last second and gave us all walk-ons. Like, they were always just – Trying, trying something different for the sake of trying different publicly and privately, it felt like, yeah. after a defeat. And I, I don't think it's going to turn out that way this year. We'll see. Um, when's the last time they lost an opener? Texas, right? 16? I think, yeah, that was the last one. They've had some good openers. Yes, they've, had, they've played well. <laughs> Florida State openers. last year. Um, Texas 15. Yeah, I just I, – Michigan 18. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the high, that was the best one of that span, right? So it's – yeah, I thought that, you know, we're always asking Marcus Freeman and coaches like, hey, what did you learn, yada, yada. I feel like as far as – if you're a Notre Dame fan and you're watching closely, I do think you learned a lot about the way Marcus Freeman sees football. Like, you, I think you tweeted during the, yeah. the game when Ryan Day punted from plus territory, like oh. it was an honoring of Jim Trestle. Oh, but, well, I also tweeted Marcus Freeman, the linebacker, yeah. would have really appreciated the game Marcus Freeman was coaching in tonight because that was an old school Big Ten game. It was a very throwback performance. I think Notre Dame will continue to have a very hard edge about it. Um, and I think that's sort of where I'm interested to see like where next week goes. Like if we're, if we're talking about Notre Dame's pass rush or lack thereof, like how hard does Freeman push during the week? Like he already called out, um, you know, the kickoff return getting fixed. Like that was really one of the first things he said after the game um, was the kickoff return was poor and needed to get fixed. You know, and then when somebody asked him about like, hey, the punting was really good. I was just going to say, you know what was, was really good, good tonight? The punting yeah, was he great. was like, yes, that's true. That felt good. But the kickoff return really needs <laughs> to get fixed. We want to be aggressive in that role. And, and like they didn't do enough to warrant being aggressive tonight. So it's, I'm interested to sort of like learn about him, how he responds after a loss in real time. Cause like the loss after the Fiesta bowl, like the program blew up. There's like seven coaches leaving. Like there, there was a million things happening and he wasn't really like in it. Um, now you're in it. You have to, you have to respond and get to respond in seven days. Um, and that I'll be interested to sort of hear a little bit about how he, what he's like in practices this week. Cause I think it, you could get, you're going to get more of a, a real vibe of like, this is who Marcus Freeman is. And I think it's going to be like a very hard edge. Um, you know, there are a lot of good things to take away from tonight, but I, my hunch would be like, he will probably ruminate more on what they didn't do tonight than make the players feel good about what they did. Me and you both over the last couple of weeks have heard from multiple listeners who, who basically brought up the question of like, 
do we need to worry about this guy maybe not being like it's a player's coach thing being taken too far is he tough enough on these guys to, to which me and you kind of laughed at because um you know we've heard some of the stories we've seen him uh, you know off camera we know his upbringing like i think this week is when you see marcus freeman son of military man like yeah. really come out um, i agree day to day in the program yeah, and I think that's that's who he is. I think that we saw a lot of who he is tonight. I think we'll continue to see who he is moving forward. He's, I think, a much more harder edge guy who, like, <laughs> I think if his dad was like, you're profiled in GQ, what the hell is that? Like, that's like, <laughs> that's not like the real Marcus Freeman. Like, it's a part of him, but like, that's not the core of Marcus Freeman. Like, the core of Marcus Freeman is like, the, the interior run game needs to be a hell of a lot better. Uh, where was the pressure off the edge from you know defensive ends who are supposed to be big time? Uh, like how do you how do you get tougher in the fourth quarter where they're not shoving you off the ball? It, you know, God bless the bomber jackets that we have that he was also wearing in the GQ photo shoot. But like that's not what like Marcus Freeman is really about. It's he's much more about like how do you run the ball? How do you stop the run? All the other stuff doesn't really matter. As a Knicks fan, I got flashbacks of Pat Riley, who's like on the cover of GQ, he's Showtime, Magic Johnson. Then he goes to the Knicks, and they become the toughest team probably ever, and and they basically grind their way to the finals. Like, yeah, there 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 is a lot beneath the surface there that I think we're going to see come out throughout the course of the season, but particularly in moments like this one when they need it, um, when they're coming off the feet. Because I think it would be very easy, and I think it's you know it's easy for us and the media, it's easy for fans to say, all right, lost. By 11 on the road, the number two team in the country. Nope. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're good. Yeah. You got to keep that mindset away from seeping into that building, um, especially, frankly, when you're succeeding a coach who did a good job of that, who won 40 straight games as a favorite to close his Notre Dame career. Uh, that's, if it was that easy, other people would do it. And that was always my biggest question about not just Marcus Freeman, but whoever would eventually succeed Brian Kelly. And that will probably be the biggest question as it relates to the season this year, because this is a really good football team. They have a chance to do some really good things this year, um, but but they need to uh, use this one the right way. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, we'll wrap it up there. It's almost 1 o'clock in the morning uh, on September 4th after Ohio State's 21-10 victory over Brian Nick. Kelly plays today. Yeah, so <laughs> you can listen to this podcast while you're preparing to watch Florida State LSU with uh, conflicted feelings and I don't know if you saw the tweet from LSU's official account. Oh, you they, showed me it last yes, night. Yes, <laughs> the iconic gold helmets, um, which, you know, take that as you will, I suppose. So Matt and I will be back this week with another episode of The Shamrock. Probably not really getting into the nitty-gritty of previewing Marshall, but more how Notre Dame responds uh, and gets off the mat. Post uh, a season-opening loss, Marcus Freeman um, comes back to his alma mater. Notre Dame puts a scare into Ryan Day and a program that, some of our colleagues think is good enough and even better than Alabama this year. Uh, gave a good account of themselves. Ultimately, it wasn't enough in the end. So until then, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of The Shamrock. <laughs>